You're tuned in to The Todd Coconato Show, otherwise known as The Remnant, one of the most listened to podcasts in the Christian community. You can visit our website, toddcoconato.com, and now broadcasting live around the world from Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, here's the host of the show, Pastor Todd Coconato. Well, everybody, welcome to the broadcast. So thankful that you tuned in today. We're going to answer two big questions on today's broadcast. Two big questions. Does the Bible prophesy a one-world government? And is there going to be a one-world currency in the end times? Two big questions. I think you need to know them. What does the Bible say? Well, that's what we're going to get into today. So I want to welcome you to the broadcast. There's a lot of people talking about the CDBC, Central Bank Digital Currency, and they're concerned. They're concerned about the fact that really two major concerns. Number one is that they could track and trace everything that you purchase. And uh, this wouldn't be like a cryptocurrency where it's blockchain technology and for the most part deregulated. This is this is actually um, something that will be different. The digital transactions through the FedNow app and through the four major banks and uh, you know maybe trickle down to some of the other regional banks if they're still around when this thing gets rolled out because maybe they're they're actually wanting to see some of these uh, smaller regional banks taken out. You ever thought of that? Maybe it's part of a plan to, to push everybody into the big four. And then they roll out the FedNow app, which is already being rolled out as we speak. And then at some point they say, uh, you can't transact in cash any longer. You have to uh, switch your money over to the central bank digital currency. You got to switch it over to the digital dollar or whatever it is that they want to call this new uh, monetary system, you know, the, the new the new currency. Uh, 112 countries around the world. Now, look, I'm not trying to get you scared. I don't want you to be panicked. I want to talk about what the Bible says, and then we're going to connect the dots with some of the things that are happening in the world right now. Honestly, though, what I want to see for you, Remnant Warrior, is I want to see you set up for success. I want you to be able to tell other people, warn other people, but also know in your own heart and mind that the Spirit of God is, is leading you and is showing you things so that you can be equipped and ready and, and, and respond in a way that's wise. Obviously, the Spirit of the living God doesn't want you to take the mark. Now, we know, of course, there's a big part of the church that believes in the pre-trib uh, rapture theory, and that would mean that the church is out of here before any of the bad stuff happens. Hey, look, I want that to be the case. I really do. I always say I, I, I'm rooting for the pre-trib. I want that to happen. But there is a possibility that that's not the case. There is a possibility that we are here at least halfway. That's the mid-trib theory. Or that we're here the entirety of the tribulation period. And so regardless of what happens, because no one knows the day nor the hour, we're not going to get into that argument today. It's important for us to understand what the Bible says about a one-world government and a one-world currency. So in referring to the end times, it, it doesn't really necessarily say uh, the phrase one-world government. It doesn't say the phrase one-world currency in referring to the end times. Now, people say, Pastor Todd, do you think this is the end times? Are we in it? I think we're in the birth pains. I think we're in the initial stages, but we're seeing an acceleration. I know you feel it in your heart and you see it. There's an urgency. It's happened in the last couple of years. It's probably happened even in the last couple of decades, to be honest. I, mean, I can think back to like 9-11. You know, things were happening back then. But it's speeding up now. It's speeding up. The plan is speeding up. And I think it's important that we see this. If There's some people that don't see it at all. And I think that's concerning because it's pretty bad. 
I mean, you got, I was just talking with my wife over the weekend. They're, they're closing down Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom in the city of San Francisco. That was like one of their biggest stores, Union Square. They're closing it down because crime is so rampant and, and, and they just can't even make any money in those stores anymore because people are stealing. The theft is so bad and the city has lost control. Um, I just read a, a story this morning where it's like 10 miles. Uh, this is out in California. There's 10 miles of people living in RVs because they, they've lost their ability to pay their rent and, and they become homeless. And this is in Marin County. I mean, I could just go on and on, you know, um, and somebody will say, well, it's not really 10 miles. Look, I, that's just the article I read. Maybe it's not 10 miles, but there's a lot of people in California. I can definitely attest to this where people are, are lined up uh, in, in RVs and some people living on the streets. There's these massive homeless encampments. I used to see them in Los Angeles. I even see, saw them in Orange County area. I mean, they're, they're, the whole state is dealing with this massive homelessness situation. You go down to downtown LA and people are walking around like zombies on drugs and they've just lost their minds. They're demonized. And yet is the church responding and reacting in the way that we should? Well, no, we're not. Uh, we need to stand up. We need to step up. We need to push back against the demonic agenda here. But but it, it's things are happening rapidly. I mean, I could talk about what's going on with Iran. They now have the ability, according to uh, some news reports, to, to produce five nuclear bombs. And what's Israel going to do about that? Well, most likely they're going to do something because we know that Israel doesn't want Iran to have that capability. Well, if Israel does that, are the Arab nations going to all unite against Israel? I mean, that's a biblical thing. Uh, we see wars and rumors of wars. We see China saber-rattling. Um, you know, I talk to people all the time that are in the Asia-Pacific region, and they tell me, you don't even know what's going on over here. We have Chinese warships off our coast. So the Bible is not necessarily talking about the one-world global government, the one-world currency, but it is alluding to this, and it and there's ample evidence to, to enable us to draw the conclusion that they're going to exist in a short season. They're going to exist in... Maybe in the next couple of years. I don't know. Maybe in the next 10 years, maybe in the next 20 years. But we're going to see at some point here uh, a rise in the Antichrist in the last days. And his apocalyptic vision, um, this is in the book of Revelation, John, the apostle John, sees the beast, whom we identify as the Antichrist, rising out of the sea and having seven heads and ten horns. That's in uh, Revelation 13.1. Seven heads and ten horns. Comparing this vision to Daniel's, by the way, which is very similar in Daniel 7, 16 through 24. And so we can conclude that there is, in fact, going to be some sort of one world government system. And it's going to be inaugurated by the beast, which will be, you know, he's going to be the most powerful, quote unquote, horn. And he's going to wage war against God's holy people. Who's that? The saints of God. He's going to rage war against the saints of God. And it says that he's going to conquer them. Now, that doesn't mean eternally uh, we know that we are winners in Christ. We're not going to be conquered. We're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ if we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we're, and we're, we're repentant of our sins and we're walking in, in God's, uh, you know, we're, we're in his grace, his favor, his blessing. We're Christians. We're followers of Christ. If you've given your heart to Jesus, if you haven't, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in a little bit. Uh, but he's, but this, the beast is going to wage war against Christians and the Ten Nation Confederacy is also seen in a statue in Daniel. It's in Daniel 2, 41 through 42, where the final world government consists of 10 entities represented by the statue's 10 toes. 
So whoever these 10 nations are and however they come to unite, Scripture is clear that the beast is going to subdue three of them and the rest are going to do his bidding. So a lot of people, you know, they debate, is, is the United States in biblical prophecy? Why don't we hear much about the United States? Well, I'm going to read uh, towards the end of the show uh, something called Babylon the Great, and it's pretty interesting when you compare Babylon the Great to the United States. Some people have tried to say, you know, the United States is Babylon the Great. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. John describes the ruler of the vast empire as having power and great authority given to him by who? By Satan himself. And this ruler receives worship from all of the world. Obviously not the Christians that are holding out. They're going to be persecuted. But for the, the majority of the world is going to accept this beast and they're going to actually worship him. Every tribe, it says, every people, language, and nation, according to Revelation thirteen seven, And this person is going to be, um, you know, the leader of the one world global government. And it's going to be recognized. He's going to be recognized sovereign over all governments. This one world global government, sovereign over all governments. Now, today we see nations, even the Biden administration is very friendly to giving up our sovereignty. Other nations are friendly to giving up sovereignty. We don't understand it as the citizens. We're like, why do you want to give up our sovereignty? Uh, to organizations like the UN or the World Health Organization or the World Economic Forum that advise and kind of tell us which direction we're supposed to go. You know, who, who these are bureaucrats. These are unelected people like Klaus Schwab, for instance. And we see nations, they're willing to give up their sovereignty, or at least some of it, to combat climate change. So it's easy to imagine that, you know, the disasters and the plagues described in Revelation 6 through 11 uh, would create such a monumental crisis that the nations of the world will embrace anything and anyone who promises a solution. You know, there's that book, Rules for Radicals. It's actually dedicated to Lucifer, Rules for Radicals. And, and this book, uh, Rules for Radicals, which the Democrats and, the, and the, a lot of the deep state people really like this book, um, it, it basically describes problem, action, solution. That you've got to create a problem, then there has to be an action, and then you bring forth this solution. So crazy stuff. We're going to talk about this more and, and just get into what does the Bible actually say about this? What, how do we need to be prepared? And what, what's coming down the pike? Don't you want to know? I mean, this, this stuff is happening before our eyes, but the good news is the Bible is true. It's real. And that means that if you're a Christian, you're safe, set free, healed, and delivered. You're on your way to rule and reign with Christ. So don't get discouraged by it. It's actually exciting. Uh, but at the same time, it's good to know, right? Because we got to prepare others. We got to save souls. It's all about souls. We'll be right back. The Todd Coconato Show. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Todd Coconato Show. So thankful that you're here. We're talking about the book of Revelation, basically. Uh, we're talking about the two questions. The questions are, uh, is there going to be a one world global government, according to the scripture? Is there going to be a one world global currency, according to the scripture? Well, the answer is yes. Uh, but we're going to read more into this because there's actually a lot to this in the scripture. And so it's important for us to be um, educated on this so that we don't buy into uh, other stuff that's not in the word and that we understand what the what the word actually says. So, you know, I told you that the, the, the beast and the Antichrist, they're going to wage war against God's people. And there's going to be this 10-nation confederacy, right? It's also seen, by the way, in the statue in Daniel. So that's a confirmation there. And where the final government consists of 10 entities represented by the statue's 10 toes, that's in the Daniel statue. 
Whoever the ten nations are, however, there's going to be uh, this unification, but the scripture is clear that the beast is going to subdue three of these nations of the ten, and the rest are going to do his bidding. Now, you know, recently we saw Macron there in France, Macron, he was like um, basically bowing down to China and saying that he wouldn't get involved if, uh, you know, China were to, to invade Taiwan. He wouldn't get involved. He wouldn't, he wouldn't step, you know, he wouldn't come alongside the United States, in other words. That's what he was telling China, basically. So, you know, we can see how many of these nations will cave right away. They'll capitulate. They're weak sauce people, soy boys that are running them, you know, just doing the bidding of the, bidding of the deep state, the cabal. But, but hey, this is what the Bible says. You know, at least seven of them are going to go right into it. Now, there's going to be three that are going to kind of push back. Is that the United States? Are we one of those? Maybe Great Britain? Maybe Israel? I don't know. Who's going to be the, the nations that push back? And he's going to subdue them. He's going to subdue these nations. What we see on the world stage, the U.S. seems to be appearing weaker and weaker. I mean, look at the botched pullout of Afghanistan. We left billions of dollars of equipment there. Look what's going on in the Ukraine right now where now they're having to ask China to come in to be, uh, you know, the, the big brother here, if you will, or the, the adult in the room that, that could possibly bring forth a, uh, some, tor- some type of peace accord. Why not the United States? It used to be the United States. Well, now it's China. Isn't that interesting? You know, Biden could barely figure out what he's talking about, right? And I'm not trying to be rude here, but let's just be honest. So uh, lots of stuff are happening. So there's going to be these three that are subdued, according to Daniel 7, 8. Then John describes the ruler of the vast empire as having power and great authority given to him by Satan himself. And that's in Revelation 13, 2. And the ruler receives worship from all of the world and, and will have authority over every tribe, every people, every language, every nation. And this person, the Antichrist, will truly be the leader of a one world global government. And that's recognized as sovereign over all the governments. You know, we see the nations today that are willing to give up their sovereignty, as, as I've said. I mean, look at the climate change, the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, look at how, how cu- countries are just giving up their sovereignty. The, the United States, there's uh, Michelle Bachman has been talking about this, but the, uh, the situation with the WHO and the fact that the U.S. and this current administration is willing to give up sovereignty, that they could actually make decisions at some point uh, with regard to how we respond to a possible uh, another medical type of situation. I don't want to say the P word because it'll take me down, but you know what I'm talking about. So anyways, uh, once entrenched in power, the beast, the Antichrist, and the power behind him, Satan, will move to establish absolute control. And in demanding worship, Satan edges toward his goal of being like God. That was his goal since Isaiah 14. He wants to be like God. He wants to control people. Their commerce must be controlled, according to Revelation 13. And it describes in Revelation 13 how this is going to happen. Everyone, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, uh, will be forced to receive some type of mark on their right hands and on their foreheads in order to buy and sell. Now, no doubt the majority of people in the world will receive this mark simply to survive. They're going to just take it. They want to survive. And this new system, by the way, of commerce will be universal. It will be compulsory. And it will be associated with the worship of the beast, according to Revelation 13, 15. Now, there's a great deal of speculation as to what form this mark will take and how it will be affixed. But the technologies available right now uh, could easily accomplish this. Okay, it's not, it's not a distant future thing at this point. That's how late the hour is, okay? And it could be accomplished now. Now, those who are left behind after the rapture of the church, this is, of course, assuming 
again, there's a pre-trip rapture, which there may not be, but we the the large portion of the church today believes in a pre-trib rapture. So that's the way that many people are thinking is that the church will be out of here. Many of you believe that way as well, and that's fine. Uh, when I was in Bible school, they said, you know, we're going to have to come to our own theology on this because it's a very hotly debated area of scripture, whether it's pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib. And this is one of the areas the church argues. So, you know, instead of arguing over scripture, which the Bible tells us not to do, let's just assume, uh, hopefully, that there is a pre-trib. But if there's not, then we also need to be prepared mentally to go through a very difficult period of time in the tribulation because we know the tribulation is going to be insanely difficult. We're going to be persecuted. Christians are going to be persecuted beyond measure, way beyond what we see right now, especially in the West. Even though there is persecution light and it's getting more and more egregious to watch all the rights and freedoms taken away uh, every year, it seems like, more and more. And that's why I fight for religious liberty and freedom. But... Again, it's at this point in time, you know, once this mark is rolled out, uh, forget it. It's it's like Tucker Carlson said about the CD, CDBC on his show when he was still on Fox. He said, we're done. He said, if they roll this out, we're done. They're going to be able to limit our ability to buy and sell. They're going to be able to cut off uh, people. You know, so let's, let's just say you've traveled a lot on your car and you want to go down to Florida. And, you know, it's like a 10-hour drive. You're in the south here. You want to go down to Florida, you know, 10-hour drive. And, and you go to use your cdbc your digital currency and it says eh, sorry you know you've already traveled enough you know you can't buy gas until thursday or you know let, let me give you another example here okay you, you want to go buy a gun and you already have a couple and you go with your cdbc your digital currency to go buy your gun and they say eh, sorry you got too many you know what i'm saying i mean this is a very real possibility if i know many of the listeners on here you've been in facebook jail before you understand censorship you know, you, you posted something on Facebook that the fact checkers didn't like. And they and they said, sorry, you know, we're going to we're going to disable. You're not going to be able to post for 90 days. Well, that's preparing people. The, the social credit score like they have in China. You know, the social media companies here in the United States where we have the illusion of freedom at this point, And where we're told, you know, with the Constitution is still law and land, which it is, by the way, it better be. But, you know, there's, they're, they're, they're slowly finding ways, either executive orders or different things that they do, to erode our religious liberty and freedom, our ability to speak freely, our First Amendment, our Second Amendment. They, they use problem, action, solution. The Saul Alinsky method. Rules for radicals. This is their playbook. And now pastors, pastors are like outlaws. It's like unbelievable. Pastors that are standing for the entirety of the Word of God are considered like outlaws now. You know, we're the bad guys. You know, the church used to be honored by society. Now we're being demonized. We're, we're being called hate groups because we say marriage is between a man and a woman. I mean, I can go on and on, but we see the erosion of freedoms. We see what's happening. If you're a spiritually astute individual and you are a person of prayer, you're concerned. You're concerned about how fast this is developing. It is developing fast. So, you know, we got to have ears to hear. We got to have eyes to see, not to panic, not to be afraid to fear, it's actually exciting. This is the church's greatest hour. We're seeing biblical prophecy come to light before our eyes. And we are that generation that the Lord has chosen for such a time as this to take a stand for righteousness, for freedom, to take a stand for the word of God and to get people saved and set free and healed and delivered. That is our mission. Our mission is souls. Uh, but a very important subject. Stay tuned. PastorTodd.org. PastorTodd.org. That's the website. And we will be back 
after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Todd Coconado Show. So thankful that you're here. We're talking about, is there a one-world global government that's talked about in the Scripture? What about a one-world currency? Does does the Scripture talk about a one-world currency? Well, we're answering these questions today. And uh, the answer is yes, it does say this. And we're seeing these things happening, the infrastructure being put together. And I know people say, well, stop being negative. You know, God is about to do something big. I believe he is going to do something big. We're, we're seeing a tremendous harvest of souls. I believe it's an end time harvest. I think we're going to see a transfer of wealth from the wicked to the righteous. I really believe that's happening in some aspects. We're seeing it. And that's for that massive harvest. That's exactly what it's for. It's to fund that, to fund the kingdom business in this late hour. You don't have to wake up and be depressed. You don't have to wake up and be discouraged. We can wake up and be excited to know that God chose us to live in a time as this. But we can't be uh, walking around too optimistic with our heads buried that we don't understand the lateness of the hour and the urgency because there is an urgency. And that's because we're seeing the Bible come to life, biblical prophecy, end time prophecy is happening. And we know that the hour is late. And the Bible says he comes like a thief in the night. No one knows the day nor the hour. And we have to have our house in order. We got to be prepared. We got to be looking up. We got to be doing the business of the king kingdom business and if you do that the favor and the blessing of the lord will be on you we're in it but we're not of it he's going to be with us until the end of the age so you don't ever have to fear he's our strong tower the righteous run in and they are safe so when we talk about these things don't start getting fearful if anything get excited i mean this is literally happening right now as we watch the central bank digital currency i believe is a a major step forward towards this b system Because what it's going to do is it's going to give the central bankers the ability to track and trace everything that you purchase, everything that you, um, you know, everywhere you shop. They're going to know at, you know, five o'clock in the morning, you stopped at the AM, PM and got a coffee because you were up early. They're going to know at 2 PM, you got, you know, some snack, you know, over at a deli. I mean, they're going to know everything and they'll be able to limit your ability to transact if you're doing something that they don't like. If you're a bad citizen, and that's what the central bank digital currency is going to do. It's going to give them the ability to turn you off. By the way, cars, they're making cars now that they can turn off. So, you know, you're driving and say the police want to pull you over and you don't want to pull over. Boop, they pull you over. You're not going to have a chance. You're not going to have a choice. They're going to just pull up your VIN through your, through your uh, license plate or whatnot, and they'll be able to control your car. That's where we're headed. They want these cars to drive themselves so that we don't even have the ability to control our car. You know, we'll put in a destination via like a Google Maps app or something like that, and our car will just take us there. But we're not going to be able to drive at 80 miles an hour anymore. You're going to have to drive the speed limit because the car is going to be trained to do that. I mean, it's going to get bizarre. It's going to get bizarre. And and people say this stuff is good. The World Economic Forum has been saying you're going to, own nothing and you're going to love it. You're going to be happy that you own nothing. Well, what does that mean? What happens to us that are homeowners? I mean, are we going to lose? Are they going to take it from us? Is there some plan? I mean, what, what happens when the dollar is no longer the global reserve? How does it get to the place where you're going to own nothing and you're going to like it? You're going to love it. How's that happen? So you got to think about these things. These aren't conspiracies. These are what they're saying. If you listen to the World Economic Forum, if you listen to Klaus Schwab, you listen to Yuval Noah Harari, you listen to some of these people that are out there 
I mean, even Elon Musk is warning about these things, about the uh, chat GBT and, and some of these new technologies that are coming out where they're going to at some point reach a place of what they call the singularity. Singularity is when it surpasses the, the human brain capacity. In other words, the computer is going to be smarter than the human and it's going to be able to make its own decisions. What happens then? I mean, it's like Terminator, you know? I mean, it's, it's crazy times. There, there are people talking about hacking your brain, connecting your brain, con, uh, linking yourself with two or three people so you can share thoughts, connecting your brain to the internet. I mean, imagine that. What happens to privacy? Privacy's out the door. You got the, the internet of things where the connectivity, now your toaster and your, 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 your refrigerator and every device in your house is all connected via the internet, via Wi-Fi, internet of things. And now you got things like Alexa, you know, and these, and these little listening devices. And have you ever noticed on your phone, for instance, when you talk about, hey, we need to get some new blinds in the living room. And then all of a sudden you look at your phone and there's an ad for blinds. It's bizarre. It's wild, the world that we're walking into right now. And the, and the Christian community, we have to be, um, you know, at, a, at an edu- educational level. We got to understand what's happening. We can't fall back. You know, we've got we've to we've equip ourselves via the word of God and discernment of the Holy Spirit to navigate these times and to be about the Great Commission. So I, I look at it as an exciting time. It's an exciting time, but it is a very serious time. It's a critical time. And if you will look at it, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the industrial revolutions. You know, we're going into a new industrial revolution now. And, and this industrial revolution is going gonna, is gonna to change a lot of things. There's going to be ways that our lives are impacted in a major way. And one of them is the ability to transact. The currency is shifting. And that's what they're setting up, I believe, for this B system. So it's important that we know. So I want to get into Babylon the Great. What is Babylon the Great? So we're going to talk about this and then we'll kind of end it in the next segment here. We'll kind of put all our thoughts together on everything we talked about today. Uh, But Babylon's first mention in the Bible was as a place of rebellion against God. That's Genesis 11. The ancient nation of Babylon was a dominating power throughout the later centuries of the Old Testament. And Babylon was the nation God used to judge Israel. Remember that? He sent them into exile beginning in 605 BC and the destroying of the temple in 586 BC. So Babylon was arguably the first kingdom to have a global influence. Very important. Even after its fall, roughly in 539 BC, Babylon continued to be seen as a place of evil. We know that in Zechariah 5, 5 through 11. So part of the difficulty uh, with identifying Babylon the Great in Revelation 17 through 18 is the presence of the, quote, mystery, unquote, in Revelation 17, 5. So mystery or mysterion in the Greek points to a truth not previously known because soon to be, it's going to soon be revealed, in other words. And the term is used by Paul in Ephesians 3.3 as he discussed the relationship between the Gentiles and Jews within the church. In Revelation 17, Babylon the Great is considered a mystery, naturally making it difficult to identify. So the angel who speaks to John identifies Babylon the Great as the great city that rules over kings of the earth. That's in Revelation 17.18. And the angel also provides some detail of the events leading up to the fall of Babylon the Great in Revelation 17, 1 through 5, at the conclusion of the vision, as John stands in great wonder, perplexed as to what the vision means. So graciously, the angel 
provides an interpretation of the vision and the events as it relates to Revelation 17, 7 through 18. The vision describes a woman or a harlot sitting upon a scarlet beast covered in blasphemous names. And the woman is immoral and corrupt, leading the others down the same path of corruption. This woman is dressed in expensive, fine apparel, and the beast she rides uh, has seven heads and ten horns. And one of the woman's forehead, uh, on the woman's forehead is her identity, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes, and the abominations of the world, all the earth, in other words, uh, in Revelation 17, 5. So from John's vision, we draw several conclusions about Babylon the Great. Babylon in the end times will have influence over people, multitudes, nations, and languages. Babylon the Great will promote religious heresy, uh, indicated as its association with blasphemy and its depiction as a prostitute, and that Babylon would kill the true followers of God. The woman is drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. Babylon in the end times will once again be a place of luxury, wealth, and uh, all different types of the riches of the world, everything that you can think of, the delicacies. Babylon the Great will be the center of worldwide merchandising. Babylon will actively lead people astray into corruption. Babylon the Great will be associated with the Federation of the Ten Kings plus the Beast. End times, Babylon will thrive for a time, but then the Beast and the Ten Kings will conclude that such a financial, religious, and political system is no longer needed. They will proceed to dispose of it. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. The fall of Babylon the Great is the result of God's judgment as he works through the ten kings to accomplish his will. In the end, the kingdoms that Babylon the Great relied on will turn against it. And by their hand, Babylon is destroyed. The beasts and the kings ruling with him will wage war against Jesus Christ. They will lose, of course, as Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Uh, An angel descends upon the earth proclaiming the great news of Jesus, victory over Babylon the Great, all heaven rejoices. In the end times, the world's rebellion against God will rise to a fever pitch. The Antichrist system will be characterized by rampant materialism, love of money, outrageous idolatry, religious uh, sacrilege, and violence against Christians. But his time will be short. At the end of the tribulation, Jesus wins. Babylon the Great is destroyed, and the Antichrist is thrown alive into the fiery lake a burning sulfur and Jesus alone is the almighty Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So this is interesting because Babylon the great is uh, some scholars, some theologians believe that it could be the United States. If you think about it, the United States is, you know, they, they depict uh, Babylon the great as a woman. Well, what do we have right in the, in the Bay there, right outside of New York city, which is the, the symbol of America. It's lady Liberty. Lady Liberty. So, you know, that, that kind of coincides. I mean, you got the merchandise, you know, merchandising capital of the world. You got the commerce capital of the world. We're sending out smut and all different types of, of corruption and idolatry and witchcraft and pornography out to the rest of the world. Look, we're, put, we're pushing the abortions and, and uh, the gay lifestyle and all that stuff. We're pushing that stuff out here from the United States. So could that be? Could the United States be Babylon the Great? Well, I've often thought, that it could. And in one day, apparently, Babylon the Great loses its power. Now, of course, it could be something else. Uh, it might not be the United States. That's just one theory. Uh, but it's interesting to think about the changing world order and the diminishing of the United States on the world stage and how this is orchestrated, I believe, very, very 
uh, elaborately orchestrated having a quote unquote president in in Joe Biden that the guy can barely walk or talk. I mean, how weak we look on the world stage, such a stark difference from only a couple of years ago with Donald Trump. And now we have uh, a president that is, is for, for lack of a better term, reprobate. I mean, his mind isn't even working. He's, he's lost his cognitive abilities. And there's probably somebody behind the scenes that is the puppeteer that's telling him what to do. A lot of people think it's Obama in his basement, but I think it goes higher than that. You know, and so uh, we're, we're marching towards uh, an outcome here. There's, there's, a, there's a shift happening. There's a change happening in our world, in the world order. And the scripture tells us that at some point, this is the end result of this whole thing, but at some point there's going to be a global government structure and there's going to be an antichrist that rises to power and he's going to subdue three of the, of the 10 countries or you know the countries that used to be sovereign that lost their sovereignty. He's going to subdue them. That means that at some point they were trying to fight him or trying to fight coming into the system, but they fail. And, and the beast is going to wage war on the saints that are alive in this hour, whether we're raptured out or not. And there's going to be a one world global currency. Now, it's just quite remarkable the times that we're in. They have supercomputers. They have, um, you know, they call them quantum computers that are now up and running in several places around the world. And these computers are so smart that they're able to do things that, that typical supercomputers, you know, used to take them some time to do. Uh, you know, one of these quantum computers can literally accomplish these things in a matter of seconds. So it's all happening fast. It's exciting times, the best of times and the worst of times at the same time. And uh, I just think this is exciting stuff to talk about, even though it's a little bit scary because we're watching it all happen. And uh, this might, you know, it could be 10 years down the road, could be 20 years down the road. All right, we'll be right back. Todd Coconato Show. All right, welcome back to the Todd Coconato Show. We're talking about the end times, you know, a Christian's guide for preparing for the apocalypse here on the broadcast. No, uh, honestly, though, we're just talking about, is there going to be a one world global government? Is there going to be a one world currency? And the answer is yes, there is. And is that maybe happening now? Are they putting the infrastructure for that together? Now there's a real possibility. We don't panic. We don't freak out. We don't start going into bunkers. But we've got to be a spiritually astute people. Our mission is souls. Our mission is kingdom business. God has for a long time used a long line of agents in earlier days who have passed their faith down to us. In biblical history, in apostolic history, and in the story of the church, there's heroes whom the world is not worthy. Think about it, right? But who are God's agents in the world. And who are these people now? Who are his ambassadors today? Who can represent him in these turbulent times? Well, it's up to us. You and I are the agents in the last days. As the Apostle Paul told Timothy, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, but you must continue in the things in which you have learned and be assured of the Holy Scriptures. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Our English word agent actually comes from a Latin term, meaning to do. It refers to someone who does the bidding of another who's authorized to act on another's behalf, like an ambassador. When the Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ, it means we're authorized to work on behalf of the Lord. We're his agents. 
And since we're living in the last days, we're God's special agents, remnant warriors, Gideon's 300, as we preach the message of the returning king. I believe we're living in the crest of the times, the best of the times. We've watched the rising tides of history pushing forward, coming closer, foaming, and starting to crest. It's like a wave. The Middle East is is, is just bound with attacks and terrorism, regional violence, endless war proliferating nuclear uh, arguments around the world. Look at what's happening in the Ukraine. We're witnessing a, a moral collapse exceeding anyone's expectations. The growth of the church is accelerating in nations like China, where the people are underground in the, in the church, not literally, but figuratively. And yet it's exploding. And in America, we're seeing an undercurrent of revival. These are the days of Noah on overdrive because the technological advances of both, um, you know, the good technology and the bad technology that threatens us the apocalypse is coming but even during the great tribulation god will have boots on the ground from now until then you and i are on a mission we're god's agents in the last days god uses his people to accomplish his work and his will we could face our times with either despair or determination we're tempted to despair we feel like we're buckled into a car hurtling down a mountain with no brakes Every day, the headlines bring us to alarming stories of military threats and moral decline, crazy stuff. But Jesus predicted this all. And God wants us to stand firm, to be biblical optimists, to be zealous evangelists, and to represent him as his agents and emissaries in this world. The Bible talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. When the apostle Paul wrote this, he said, the love of Christ compels us. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. God has reconciled himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We got to develop a new identity in Christ, my friends. First, we must be born again. I know most of you are, but if you're not, you need to be. We must be uh, new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. All the things are made new. There are many good causes in the world, and lots of people find fulfillment in taking up a worthy movement. Celebrities lend their names to a host of interests. Philanthropists donate their fortunes to humanitarian crusades, but God's agents are the ones who can change both time and eternity. We must be born again. As a young man, John Wesley sailed to Georgia to engage in religious and humanitarian works, but he faltered. Writing in his own journey on the voyage home, he said, I went to America to convert the Indians, but oh, who shall convert me? Shortly after, Wesley was born again and set the world on fire. The revival that slept across, uh, swept across England under his preaching reformed the morals of his nation, led to tremendous evangelistic and humanitarian ministries, and likely saved England from the kind of terror that occurred across the channel during the French Revolution. God wants to convert, change your heart, my heart, through Jesus Christ. That's the first step of being his agent in this very important time in history. The second step, devote our lives to Christ's mission. Having been reconciled to God through the blood of Christ, we must become agents of reconciliation. Our hearts are compelled by the love of Christ, and we must want to reach others. One man who grasped this was Griffin John, a Welch missionary to China. 
He once told a group of college students why he pursued his work with such passion, saying, the love of Christ to me personally constrains me to live to him and for him. He died for me and I died for him and I live for him. My whole life is for him. I will work for his sake. I will suffer for his sake. There is nothing I would not do to please him. All I can do is lay myself at the altar and say, Lord Jesus, take me as I am and use me for thine own purpose and glory. The love of Christ constraineth me. In what practical ways then can you and I share the love of Christ today? How does Christ plead with the world through us? Sometimes it's with unspoken acts of kindness. Sometimes it's by supporting others and being engaged in certain specialized ministries like this one here at The Remnant. We often find service within the tasks and programs of our local churches. But at some point, every one of us, every ambassador, every remnant warrior, and every agent needs to speak up and take a stand. Paul used the word pleading. Okay? We're all commissioned to walk up and down the aisles of this world and share our testimony about the love and power of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We've got to dedicate ourselves to setting an example. Our constraining love and our compelling message must be reinforced with personal holiness and consecration. In a filthy world, we got to remain clean. In a polluted culture, we should strive to keep ourselves pure. God made him who knew no sin to be the sin for us that we might become the righteous and God in him. It's our privilege to do what the world doesn't do and to refrain from doing what the world does. The Bible tells us to come out from among them and be separate. Is there any habit in our life that's hindering our witness today? Agents live in a different manner from others. Everything centers on our operation, our assignment, and the glory of him who sends us. We got to make sure Christ is our personal redeemer. Let his love grip our hearts. Think of ourselves as his agent in these critical days. Preach the word however and whenever we can and live a life of righteousness for him as an example to all who are watching and listening. We're here to be busy until he comes, to do his work, to warn of the coming apocalypse, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We are agents of the last days. We're preaching about a returning king of glory. There's no more excuses. This is an exciting task, and there's never been a more urgent time than now. Friends, this is a plea. This is is a show that we teach and equip the saints. We, we are putting together the underground railroad for the remnant. Why? Because we know that in the days, months, and years ahead, there will be persecution of the saints and the spirit of Antichrist will rise. I'm optimistic though, because I know there's gonna be a great harvest of souls and that the Lord is gonna use his elect, the saints of God. Many are called, but few are chosen. We wanna be the chosen. We wanna show up. We wanna say yes to him. We wanna be like Isaiah and say, send me, I'll go. We can't let this world get us down. We can't be discouraged just because the Bible's coming alive. If anything, that's good news. It means what what we believe is true and what we believe is true. That's it. This is the reality of the world. This is the reality of what's going on. God is real. He has chose us for this hour. We can go out, we can cast out, and we can drive out, or we can sit in our house and be discouraged. We could feel like we're losing. We could watch the world's headlines and say, well, I guess we're losing. We're not losing. We're on the winning team and we've got to act like winners. And so as as crazy as it is, as, as bizarre as some of the headlines are, we're in the right place. 
And if you're not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it now. You've listened to this broadcast and you say, wow, this preacher is teaching directly from the word of God. And yet what he's saying, I'm seeing happening in the world. How can I come to know the Christ he talks about, Jesus? Well, it's very simple. Wherever you are right now, you can say this prayer. Just repeat it. You say, I want to make sure if I were on my way to hell today, I want to make sure I'm on my way to heaven. I want to change the course of my future. If you're not sure, if you were to die, if you were to get killed, if Jesus were to come, just say these words. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the cross of Calvary. Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are indeed Lord. If you said that today, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You stepped out of a world of darkness and you stepped into the light and life of Jesus Christ. Reach out to me, pastortodd.org, pastortodd.org. We'd love to give you a Bible and let you know a little bit more about that decision that you just made. And listen to all the listeners out there. We thank you. This remnant community is rising. We will not back down. We will not grow weary. We stand on the promise of God. We'll be back next week. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's broadcast here at The Remnant. Pastor Todd here. I just want to thank you for your support of this show. We are fully supported by the audience here and by those remnant warriors out there that believe in the mission here at the ministry. The mission is souls and to build an underground railroad for the remnant to connect in God's people in this very critical hour. We got to take back the territory for the kingdom of God. That means we got to stand for the entirety of the word of God and preach and teach boldly. Mentor people, disciple people, raise up warriors. This is the time for a warrior class. You can go to pastortodd.org, pastortodd.org, or Todd coconado.com slash give. God bless you and thank you for tuning in.